Well, welcome to the Empower Church Podcast. Thank you for joining us today. We hope this message inspires you, encourages you, and ultimately empowers you to influence people and transform cities. Enjoy the message. Amen, amen. Thank you, Paul. Amen. Wow, do you love Jesus this morning? Good, you guys can have, oh, you already did. Great. Disobedient. Australians, aren't we? Hey, you guys alive and well? It's so good to be here back on the Sunshine Coast at Caloundra. I feel like I preach here more than I preach at my own church, so that's good. Um, and uh, I, I, um, I actually love this church. I, I, I love Pastor Kate and Pastor Paul. Can you just honor your leaders this morning? You're blessed with, uh, you know, I'll say this. One of the worst compliments I get when I travel is like we're so thankful that, you know, just how authentic you are and how genuine you are and how much, you know, you just like, you, you take time with our people. That sounds like a good compliment, right? But it's sad that they're like, that that is a compliment because the job that we do is to serve the people of God. The job that we do is to be genuine, to be authentic and to serve the people of God. And there are many pastors and preachers and people around the world who find themselves up on their high horse because of their title. You don't have those kind of leaders. You have genuine, authentic, incredible leaders who love you, who love this nation, who love Jesus. Can we just thank them again one more time? Appreciate you guys. And it's cool to be here. I almost wasn't here. I was planned to come here. Then I text Pastor Paul last week, said I can't make it. I'm really sorry. I was in Perth, Australia. Uh, I think it's Australia still. We're not sure. (laughs) But I was in Perth to get a visa uh, to move to America, which I know I've spoken to you about however many months back I was here. We're finally going next Monday. We'll be flying to America. And so we were in Perth. And I had to book appointments and the appointment got delayed and I, so I had to cancel coming and then the appointment got pushed back earlier. So I called Paul and said, please, can I come? I'm gonna be back in, in Brisbane. And so we made it. It was genuinely like going to another country. We had to go to Tasmania for 15 days to get there anyway uh, because the Perth people don't want us Queenslanders there because we're like lepers, you know what I mean? Like <laughs> one case of coronavirus, leper. And, uh, And so we had to go to Tasmania for 15 days to avoid quarantining in Western Australia. So we did that. I mean, Tasmania is a whole other story, but uh, we we got to Perth. And when you come off the aeroplane, I kid you not, you come off the aeroplane. It's like, have you ever been overseas, gone through customs? It's the same thing. You walk up, someone's there with a little bottle, squeezing it, making sure you sanitize off that plane. And then you walk up to a, a whole thing of police officers in different booths. You have to stand there. You have to give over your, your, your ID. And then you have to prove through like bank statements or bookings that I was not in Queensland. So I had to prove to them that I was in Tasmania for 50. It was a whole thing, but we got there. We got our visa, thank God. And next week I'm flying 30 hours with a one-year-old. So pray for me. Uh, we, uh, that's gonna be the greatest struggle of the whole experience. Uh, but pray for supernatural sleep for my son, Jack. Amen. And uh, hey, it's super cool. I'm, I'm, I'm pumped to be a part of this, this Kings and, was it Kings and Priests? Is that Kings and Priests series? I love it. I believe it should be the theme of our lives that we are Kings and Priests of the Most High God, called out of darkness and into the light, that we would represent Jesus in the earth, that we are ambassadors of His kingdom. We, 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 we're ambassadors, representatives of the Lord Jesus Christ to a generation that needs 
Jesus. We are called to establish His kingdom on earth. You know, we, I believe there's a couple of things we're supposed to do as believers. We're supposed to, number one, pray in His kingdom. Jesus says, pray like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Are we a kind of people that aren't just hoping His kingdom comes, but are we praying in His kingdom? You've been, I'm sure you've been learning about your authority in Christ, how we have an ability to access heaven and implement His will on earth. We, we gotta pray in His kingdom. We're called to preach His kingdom which means to open our mouths and publicly proclaim the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ and His arrival in His kingdom. We're called to do that. We're called to pray in His kingdom. We don't wanna just be a people that pray though. We wanna be a people that preach. The, 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 the Great Commission was go into all the world and preach the gospel. So we don't stay and pray. We preach and then we pull away to pray and then we keep on going and preaching and pull away to pray. And it's not a just... I just pray, you go. We are all commissioned to go. So we pray in the kingdom. We also preach the kingdom. But who knows, sometimes we have to live a life that represents, uh, that actually gives credence to what we're speaking about. And so I believe we're called to demonstrate His kingdom. And you're a rare church that still believes in the power of God to heal. You're a rare church that believes in the power of God to deliver. You're a rare church that believes in a God of supernatural signs and wonders, that His kingdom is at hand. Pray in His kingdom. Don't just be an onlooking people and expect Pastor Paul to do all the praying. Be a people that pray. We're called to preach the kingdom. Don't just expect Pastor Paul to do all the preaching. Preach the kingdom to your generation. Testify the goodness of God. And let's be a people that demonstrate His kingdom. Amen that believe that we've been given authority. In fact, the Bible tells us that you've been given authority over all the powers of the enemy. In fact, even if we, this scripture you guys are gonna have and then it's gonna be the only one you're gonna have because I've made a pivot, I apologize. But this is what it says in Matthew chapter 16. Uh, Matthew chapter 16, we'll go from uh, verse uh, 18. It says, and I also say to you that you are Peter, speaking to Peter the apostle, and on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And then Jesus says, I, so Jesus having all authority, He says, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, which means we have access to heaven. And whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth will be loosed on hev in heaven. That's not like we're binding a demon on earth so there's a demon in heaven being binded. That's Jesus saying, when you step out in faith in the authority that I've given you through your access to the heavenly realms, whatever you bind on earth, heaven will be there with you. Whatever you loose on earth, Heaven is there, it'll be loosed in heaven, therefore it'll be released on earth. But he's talking to a co-laboring concept, saying, I'm not just gonna do it all, I'm gonna put my spirit inside of you. You and I are empowered by heaven to be a witness of the kingdom of God in the earth. You are endued with power, the book of Acts says. You are endued with power, and you're endued with power for a purpose. And that purpose is to be a witness of Jesus Christ. So this morning, I wanna speak around the concept of a divine demonstration. 
a divine demonstration. And I told you guys on the tech team, I apologize. I sent through a bunch of notes. And then as I was driving here, I was reminded in my spirit that that's the notes from a message I preached like three months ago with you guys. So I figured I better, I better at least pretend I have fresh revelation. <laughs> Otherwise, I mean, you probably wouldn't remember it anyway, right? <laughs> so because of that, you're not gonna have the notes on the screen or online, which means you're gonna have to take notes. And that's what real Christians do. So I wanna speak around a concept of a divine demonstration. The saving power of Jesus. You know, the book of Matthew here, Matthew chapter four, verse 23 says this, speaking of Jesus, says, He went throughout all Galilee teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel, the good news of the kingdom. We are kings and priests of the most high God, ambassadors and releases of His kingdom. Preach the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction among the people. Verse 24 says, So His fame spread throughout all Syria, And they brought him all the sick, those afflicted with various diseases, pains, those oppressed by demons, epileptics, paralytics, and he healed them. I want to talk to us and help us understand that if we are ambassadors of Christ, if we have the keys of the kingdom of heaven, we are called to pray in his kingdom, preach his kingdom, but also to demonstrate his kingdom. Jesus, the Bible tells us, is our great example. We're to be imitators. Paul says, imitate me as I imitate Christ. The book of John, 1 John tells us, those who say they believe in Jesus ought to walk like He walked. Giving us a picture that He is not our exception. Jesus is our example. Sometimes we're like, well, but that was Jesus. No, Jesus came and said, go into all the world and make disciples, teaching them everything that I taught you. Lo, I am with you always to the end of the age, saying, go and do my work. And so this is Jesus, and it says that He went around preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing all kinds of sickness and disease. I love it because when we look at this, you know, we we think, yeah, we can preach the gospel. But almost every single time in the Gospels, which is the Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the the accounts of Jesus, almost every single time it speaks about the preaching of the Gospel, because every Christian believes that we are supposed to, in some capacity, preach the Gospel. It's almost every time, it's almost immediately backed up with, and He, Jesus, went around healing all who were sick and oppressed of the devil. Like, it's like the follow-up was like, preach the Gospel of the Kingdom, and heal the sick and drive out demons. But something amazing happens here in verse 24. It says, He went around preaching the gospel of the kingdom and He healed those who were sick, diseased. And it says in verse 24, And so His fame spread throughout all Syria. And they brought to Him those afflicted with diseases, pains, those oppressed by demons, epileptics, paralytics, and He healed them. I just wanted to quickly show us that in our divine demonstration, in demonstrating the power of the divine King of Kings, and Lord of Lords, we should preach the gospel and we should see the sick healed and we should see people delivered from oppression. 
But what happened is, as Jesus did it, His reputation went out. It went into all the world and there was a response to His reputation. The response to Jesus' ministry was, they brought to Him those who were sick, those who were oppressed, those who had epilepsy, those who were paralytics, those who were demon-possessed, and they brought to Him They brought them to Him and then He healed them all. The thing I'm trying to get to is is when Jesus is truly manifest, there will be a response. And people will bring to this church those who need to be getting what they need to get. If this is a place of power and miracles, then people who need a power encounter and miracles will come to this church as your reputation goes out into the world. Will our reputation be the church that just wants the money or be a church of breakthrough? As marriages are restored within your community, can I tell you, when there are marriage problems in the world, they're gonna look around, they're gonna hear the reputation of Empower Church, that in Empower Church, marriages are miraculously restored and they're gonna walk in this room and they're gonna encounter the love of Jesus. Can we have a church that lives a life of witness with divine encounters that could only be accredited to a supernatural power whose name is Jesus, amen? Acts 10.38, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power who went around doing good and healing all who were sick and oppressed of the devil. For God was with him. You know, another thing I love about the power of God is, of Jesus is, you know, the John the Baptist, right? John the Baptist was the crazy dreadlock guy wearing camel hair and eating locusts and honey, basically a modern day vegan. Uh, <laughs> No, they wouldn't wear the camel hair, would they? That would be terrible. They wouldn't eat the bug either. Sure. Sorry. Yeah. They'd eat the honey. Would they? No. Wow, what a terrible life. Listen, if you're a vegan, I'm so sorry. Not for what I've said, just sorry for you, generally. Now, where are they? They nambled the vegans. They're definitely in Melbourne. I would never make that joke in Melbourne. Like that's, I'll be getting stoned already. Um, But John the Baptist, right? He was the one who was preparing the way for the Lord and he was arrested. He was in prison about to have his head chopped off. I'm not sure whether he knew that was gonna happen or not, but he was in prison. And he went to, he got his disciples and he said to them, he said, go and speak to Jesus for me. And he said, go and ask him, is he the one we've been waiting for? Ask him. He said, just go on, I'm I'm in here, I've prepared the way. Just go on, is he the one we're waiting for or are we supposed to wait for another one? And it says that John's disciples went and asked Jesus, are you the one we've been waiting for? And it says in front of them, healings began to break out. Demons began to be delivered from people. And then Jesus turns to his disciples and he didn't say a whole bunch of theological outbreaks. This is why I'm the son of God. This is why I'm the Messiah. This prophecy was fulfilled through blood. He just turns to his, the John's disciples and said, go and tell John what you've seen. The deaf hear, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the dead are raised up and the gospel's being preached to the poor. Jesus, his witness of who he was, was a divine demonstration, telling them, go and tell John, this is how you know it's me because I am setting the lost 
free. I'm seeing the sick healed. And they went back and, and told John all that they'd heard about Jesus. We wanna be a witness of Jesus to this generation. Let's be a generation of power. You see, it's not, you know, so much people, they, they get into this concept like, Joel, but that stuff is this, and it has controversy, and some people don't get healed, and that's all true. Some people don't get healed. If I have time, I'm gonna tell you the exact reason why you don't get healed. Maybe not the exact reason. <laughs> but they say, it's like, just, isn't just love the answer? And it is, and I, I'm busy formulating a message called what's been lost in the name of love. Because when Christians lose courage, when Christians lose conviction, when Christians don't have a great understanding, they just fall back on this nice word like, but just like, let's love everyone. The truth of the matter is, a lame person walking is the love of God expressed through the power of God. When a person struggling with severe anxiety and they're set free by the power of the gospel, that's the love of God being expressed through the power of God. I can say, I love you and you can stay sick or we can invoke the power of the gospel to see your body healed and tell you that Jesus loves you and He's expressing that love through His power, witnessing of who He is. Love is the ultimate. We are well aware of that, but let's not just use it as a fallback cushion for when we're too afraid or too ashamed or don't have enough courage to preach the gospel, heal the sick. We okay? A couple of things I want us to uh, see quickly throughout this little bit of time we have left is uh, when we, if we wanna be a people that see the sick healed, that see the oppressed set free, we have to understand and establish that the Word of God is the final authority on the subject. The reason we say that is because otherwise, in the line of miraculous divine power, experience weighs in heavy. When we say that we believe God can heal the sick and someone doesn't get healed when we pray with them, that experience weighs in heavy. And so we have to establish for us as Kingdom believers that the Word of God is the final authority of, on the subject. We fall back on the Word of God, and you, I may have said it before, and you may have heard it around, but we cannot be a people that let our experience dictate the Word of God, but we need the Word of God so deep within us that it begins to transform our experience, amen? So we need to establish that the Word of God is the final authority authority on the subject. And I would say that you need to, to conclude in your heart that it's the will of God to heal anyone of anything. So it's, that it's the will of God to heal anyone of anything. And the reason we can establish that is because we know because of the book of Hebrews, chapter one, verses three, speaking of Jesus, it says that He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of His nature. So Jesus, if you want to know what the will of God is, is we, we look at the life of Jesus. You want to know what the nature of God is like. We look at Jesus because He is the radiance of the glory of God in the exact imprint of His nature. Or Ephesians uh, chapter 1 uh, verses, uh, let's read chapter 1 verses 9. It's speaking of Jesus, uh, from 7, sorry. It says, in Him we have redemption in his, through His blood the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of His grace, which He lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight. Verse nine, saying, making known to us the mystery of His will according to His purpose, which He set forth in Christ. 
So Jesus is the will and the nature of God revealed. Jesus was anointed by God with the Holy Spirit who went around doing good, healing all who are sick and oppressed of the devil. If He is the exact nature of God, the imprint of God's nature, if He's the will of God revealed, and He was going around healing all who are sick and oppressed of the devil, then I can confidently conclude that we can believe that Jesus, uh, so that the will of God is to heal anyone of anything, amen? If we conclude these things, it gives us a confidence in the Scripture, it gives us a confidence in Christ, one of the biggest mistakes that people use around trying to believe for God for, to see miracles among them is they rely on testimony to be their foundation. We have to be super careful not to let testimony be the thing that we build our faith upon. Our faith is in Jesus. Our trust is in Jesus. Our hope is in Jesus because if it's in testimony, we're gonna do really good while there's testimonies. But if we don't have a testimony, then what are we standing on? I don't pray for the sick to get a testimony. I don't pray for the sick because I think it's a fun thing to do. I pray for the sick because I believe that I've been commissioned by my Lord Jesus Christ to pray for the sick and to lay my hands upon them and to see them healed. My trust is in Jesus, not what I see. So we have to understand this. And so I want us to see this again. Another thought is this, that Jesus paid for our healing. Jesus paid for it. Matthew 8, chapter, sorry, Matthew chapter 8, verses 16. It says, when evening had come, they brought to Him, Jesus, many who were demon-possessed, and He cast out the spirits with a word. And He healed all who were sick that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying he himself bore our infirmities and bore our sicknesses. We don't have time to completely unpack. This is called healing in the atonement. We don't have time to completely unpack it today. But essentially what's happened is in the book of Isaiah, he prophesied to the time when Jesus would die upon the cross in Isaiah 53 verses four, and he said, surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrow, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities and the chastisement of our peace was upon him. And by his stripes, we are healed. So Isaiah is prophesying to a future time where Christ would die upon the cross. He was whipped on the whipping post before He walked the road to the cross of Calvary. And it says, by His stripes we are healed. Then 1 Peter chapter, uh, sorry, 1 Peter chapter 2 verse 24 says this, it says, He's then quoting the Isaiah prophecy and He says, who Himself bore our sins on His own body on the tree that we having died to sins might live for righteousness for whose, by, sorry, for by whose stripes you were healed. And so he quotes Isaiah in the very last part of that, but he changes the tense. Isaiah says, "Who by whose stripes we are healed, speaking of a present tense. And Peter says, by whose stripes we were healed, speaking of a past tense, because it's all pointing back to the cross of Calvary as the day of atonement where the blood of Jesus was poured out for the salvation of mankind. And saving is sozo, saved, healed and delivered. 
David speaks about it in the book of Psalms. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that's within me. Bless His holy name who forgives all of our sins and heals all of our diseases. It's a moment we have to realise that Jesus purchased our healing. Sickness is to the body what sin is to the soul and both were paid for by the blood of Jesus. It has been purchased so we are able to redeem it, amen? The second one here that I wanna say is this, is that Jesus is not the causer, He's not the keeper, He's the reliever. He's not the causer of sickness, He's not the keeper of sickness, He's the reliever of sickness. Jesus isn't keeping people sick to teach them lessons. It's one of those things and it's a super touchy thing to touch, but I like to touch touchy things. Probably gonna start a conference in America called Triggered. For the crazy charismatics, the rigid reformists and the lukewarm latte drinkers and everybody in between. I'll invite you if I ever do it. But the reason I says we have to recognize that if Jesus came to heal all who are sick and oppressed of the devil, yet He's also the one that might keep you sick to make sure you learn a lesson, then He's working against Himself. The Bible teaches us that a house divided cannot stand. He, Jesus was casting out demons and the people came and said, He's casting out demons by the power of Beelzebub, the Lord of the flies, Lord of the demons. And Jesus says, are you insane? Why would I cast out demons by the power of demons? Because a house divided cannot stand. Sickness is a result of sin. It was not the ultimate creation. It was not part of the original plan. It's a result of a fallen humanity. And Jesus came to redeem. Jesus is not keeping you sick to teach you a lesson. That doesn't mean that you might not learn a lesson while you're still sick. He will use anything. He will take all things that were meant for evil and He will turn them for good, but be careful not to, uh, to justify the reason you're still unwell or someone's still struggling. It's just because Jesus is trying to teach them a lesson. It's different to persecution. Persecution was promised that it would be part of a believer's life. That's a different conversation. But sickness and disease was paid for by the atoning blood of Jesus Christ. And so we separate the two and we have to understand He's not trying to keep us sick. He wants to relieve us of our sickness. He is the healer. He's Jesus Christ who was anointed by God, who went around doing good and healing all who were sick and oppressed of the devil. I understand we're, we're racing through that this morning for the sake of time. But this is what I wanna tell you. If you wanna be a person that believes in the power of God to see the sick healed or even to see yourself healed by the power of God, my number one advice is this. Remove your list of reasons why you're not being healed and start to focus on the one reason that you can be healed. Because what happens is this, as humans, we like to have back doors. So even if there is a reason why healing might not happen, even if there's a list of seven hindrances to healing that you've found throughout your journey, all you've done is create a blanket of seven different reasons, seven different pillows you can fall back on when you don't see your breakthrough. And what happens with human nature is if we can take a back door to preserve ourselves or to make ourselves feel better or just have a little bit more comfort, we take it. And so I remove the reasons why I'm not seeing breakthrough or the reasons I'm not seeing healing and I start to focus on the one reason I can see healing. 
if you change your perspective from looking for why God won't heal you to the reasons why He will heal you, then we're gonna step into a place of faith and then we get to be just like Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego and say, I believe that my God will heal me from my disease. My God will bring me through my breakthrough from my situation. But even if He doesn't, I will not take that back door to the world system. I will not step out of faith because of my experience. I will press into Jesus when I'm not seeing the fulfillment of what I know He purchased for my life. Change your perspective, change your posture, and let's continue to move on and believe the Gospel. Amen. I will very quickly address what I believe around why, what we do when we don't see people get healed. I have a little box, the worship team want to come. I have a little box up here called the mystery box. And another one over here called the sovereignty of God box. Sovereignty of God box. This is where I get super careful. I've prayed for thousands upon thousands of people and seen them healed. I know that your church believes in healings and have seen multiple people healed within this community. Unfortunately, we haven't seen everybody healed. But I believe that God can heal anyone of anything. And so I'm a little bit of a predicament. Like I've seen people healed of cancer and diabetes and incurable diseases. I've watched broken noses straighten in front of my eyes. I've, I've, we've, we've seen self-harm scars disappear at the youth camp. We've, all, like we've seen these things. Yet my grandmother, who was struggling with Parkinson's disease for 15 to 20 years, I prayed for every time I saw her and I didn't see her healed. And then that disease killed her. So I'm presented with a small problem. Well, actually a big problem. Why? I think the most stupid thing we can do as people is give answers to questions that we don't know. And because we wanna puff ourselves up with pride and knowledge and information, we start to create reasons. I start to think the reasons why my grandmother wasn't healed. Start to process and look for reasons and this, maybe it was this and it was because of this generational curse, it was because of this and blah, 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 all these things. So instead of trying to find reasons why God didn't heal my grandmother, I have two options. I can either say it's because God's sovereign and He's in control and that's just up to Him. Or I can put it in the mystery box. I prefer the mystery box because I don't just believe God's sovereignly in the sky going yes, no, yes, no, yes, 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 no, 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 no you're not getting healed. I believe we've been commissioned. My Bible says, lay your hands on the sick and they shall recover. The book of James, you're gonna go through it next month, is you're gonna learn in the book of James, it says, if anyone's sick, bring them to the elders, they'll anoint them with oil and the prayer of faith will heal the sick. You're gonna learn that, that's what the Bible teaches us. And so what I do is I take these things I don't know. I take the situations that I don't understand and I go away and I say, God, teach me. And if I can't get clarity, I don't wanna just take my next back door of like, well, God's sovereign, He's in control. Because He is, we understand He's sovereign over all things. But that presents a whole array of problems when we just start throwing everything in that box. And I put it in the mystery box and say, God, I don't understand, but I'm gonna trust you. I don't understand, I'm confused, I'm hurt, I'm a little bit disappointed, but you know what? I trust you, I know your plans for me are good. I know that your purposes are good. I know that ultimately we're gonna spend eternity with you and I put it in this box and if I ever get clarity, 
then I'll pull it out. If I ever get clarity, then I'll put it across if the clarity comes. But if I don't get clarity, I'm super careful not to take what I don't understand and just blame it on the sovereign power of God or blame it on someone's hidden sin or blame it on someone's personal faith because they didn't have enough faith. And I get all these reasons. I, I don't do it. I can't afford to do it because I trust Jesus. I believe His Word. And so I hold on to His strength, amen? I'll finish with this for the sake of time this morning. Just five quick thoughts around healing. Number one is that divine healing is the right and responsibility of every Christian. Mark 16, you can read it later. These signs follow them who believe. Not those who are famous, not those who have it all together, not those who have their ducks in a row, not those who have studied theological school, those who believe. Number two is this, God is not our problem, He is our help. Don't look to God as the problem, the reason why not. Look for Him as your help. He's where our help comes from. John 10, 10, the thief come but to steal, kill and destroy. But Jesus says, I've come to bring life and life more abundantly. The third is this, the greatest hindrance to healing is the fact that we believe there are hindrances to healing. We put more belief in the hindrances than we do in the one who can heal us. Um, I can't say I'm completely confident to say that there is nothing that's getting in the way. I'm saying change your focus. What's the opportunity? If there's a lake in front of us, you probably can't walk across it. You have a hindrance, but there's a way to get across it. It's called a boat. Don't focus on the hindrance to your crossing the river. Find the way to get across the river. Number four, any sickness and disease can be overcome by a Christian who will exercise faith and power. And number five is all sickness is a work of the enemy and can be defeated whenever they are encountered. Because Jesus went around healing all who were sick and oppressed of the devil. There was one time in scripture Jesus prayed for someone and they didn't get healed straight away. And he says, I can see like, trees, looks like trees, he was a blind man, he couldn't, Jesus, then he just did it again, and then he's like, oh my gosh, I'm healed. Would we be a people that believe that Jesus is the answer to humanity? And part of the ministry of Jesus was to demonstrate the kingdom of God through all of us. And when we do, I promise the fame the reputation of His name will begin to spread throughout the region, spread throughout your schools, your communities. And people will come to this house because they know that's where the breakthrough is. There's so many things we can talk about when we speak about being kings and priests. This is just one of them. Some people say, Joel, you preach about healing too much. It's not, it's not the main point of the gospel. And I'm like, you're right. Jesus is the main point of the gospel. And he was all about healing the sick, all about driving out demons. It was part of who he was. But the truth of the matter is this, the greatest miracle of all is the miracle of salvation. When a heart of stone, the Bible says, turns to a heart of flesh. When a sinner, yes, a sinner, a sinner is somebody who doesn't follow Jesus. When a sinner repents, turns from their wicked ways. Repent means to change the way they think. When someone who doesn't follow Jesus, which the Bible would call a sinful person, turns from sin 
with faith towards Jesus, they are saved. This is the greatest miracle of all. In fact, the Bible tells that those who don't believe in Jesus are condemned already. Jesus, God didn't send Jesus to come and condemn the condemned. God sent Jesus to come and give the condemned a way into life more abundantly, to life eternal with Jesus. The word saved means saved, healed, and delivered, sozoed. If you are in this room this morning and you've never given your life to Jesus, friend, I want to encourage you. It is the best, most important decision of your life. And when you do it, the Bible says you get peace with God. And when you have peace with God, you can walk through a living hell and still be okay. When you have genuine peace with God, when your eternity is secure with Christ, you can walk through the rest of your life without your legs and still be okay. We believe for miracles, but our faith is in Jesus. And even if we don't receive the miracles, we are united with Jesus. So if you're in this room, maybe you're online. I need to hand the meeting back. If you're in this room or you're online, you need to give your life to Jesus. Friend, do not miss this next moment we have together. If you are in here or you're online and you say, Joel, I once gave my life to Jesus, but I've walked away from Him. I'm not living a life that's following Jesus. Repent. Change the way that you think. If you're going this way, turn around and say, Jesus, I'm sorry, I'm coming back to you. And as you start to walk towards Him, the thing you're gonna find is He's gonna meet you right here. And He's gonna say, I'm not angry, I'm not mad. Here's a ring, here's a coat. Let's go feast together because I love you. I don't need you to have everything together. I just want you to come to me and I will give you rest. And if you're in here this morning, you say, Joel, I don't know if I'm saved. That is not a safe place to be. If you don't know if you're saved this morning, then be confident, make a decision this morning. Join with me and those other people. Let's pray together. I know that I know that I know that I'm saved because I know that I have chosen to follow Jesus. I've said no to sin and yes to Jesus. There might be trip ups, there might be error along the way, but my eyes are set on Him. If you say, I don't know if I'm saved, then you need to get sure today. Amen. Everybody just close your eyes very quickly. If you're watching online, you can close your eyes too. And on the count of three, if you're one of those group of those three people, I just want you to raise your hand up and wave to me. There might be one, there might be 10. They're all important. And I want you to raise your hand and say yes to Jesus this morning. I wanna pray with you. And I'm gonna hand back to Pastor Paul and then we're gonna pray for some people after that. But if that's you today, don't miss this moment. It's the greatest decision of your life. On the count of three, raise your hand up high. If you're watching online, I'm sure there's a way that you can do that. If not, write it in the chat so we know that you're making a decision. On the count of three, if that's you. One, two, three. Just raise your hand up high wherever you are. Great decision, sir. Well done. Is there anybody else this morning? Anybody else? Just raise it up high. And wait five more seconds. Five. Don't be embarrassed. Who cares what the people around you think? It does not matter. Four. Good job, buddy. I see your hand over there. Three. Is there anybody else this morning? Two. One. In Jesus' name. Let's just all pray together. Those who raised their hand up, I want you to 
I want you to pray with us this morning. And if you didn't raise your hand up, but you wanted to, don't worry, that hand in the air is not what saves you. Believing in Jesus Christ, the Bible says, and confessing with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, then you shall be saved. It's not a hand, it's believing. So if you didn't, but you wanted to, pray with us. In fact, everybody pray with us this morning. Say, Dear Jesus, today I give you my life. Forgive me of my sin and make me new. From this day forward, I say no to sin and I say yes to Jesus. I am now a child of God and I'm never turning back. I am now a Christian for all the days of my life. In Your Name, Jesus, Amen, Amen. Come on, let's just celebrate with those people this morning in Jesus' Name. Come on, celebrate with heaven this morning.